Each week, we'll have a chance to settle in and consider God's Word as we dig deeper into our John Sermon series. Hi, my name is Russell Howard. I'm the lead pastor here at McGregor, and this is Beyond the Notes. I sure hope you were able to be a part of worship at McGregor, either online or in person this last Sunday as we celebrated Easter Sunday together and also began our study of the Gospel of John. And we looked at the first five verses. John's Gospel, one of its many uniquenesses, is it's got this sort of theological preamble before you get into the narrative content of the Gospel. But because it was Easter Sunday, and I frankly wanted to get right to the idea of Jesus's not being overcome by darkness that was there in verse 5. What I did not do is take a lot of time and kind of paint the background and context for the Gospel of John. So I thought I'd use this uh, episode to go into some of the background material on John. John is one of the two Gospels that was actually written by an eyewitness to Jesus's ministry, Matthew, who was also one of the twelve, and, and John. Mark got his information much later, predominantly from Simon Peter, and Luke got his information much later, predominantly probably from the Virgin Mary. Those things are speculative, but probable. John was there. And it's interesting that while while John was an eyewitness to the earthly ministry of Jesus, most scholars hold, as do I, that he was the last of the four gospel authors to write his gospel. And in a lot of ways, his gospel stands unique apart from the other three. In fact, the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are so similar and have so much overlap that they're grouped together by scholars in what is a grouping called the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means with one eye or one-eyed gospels. Now, they're all unique from one another in, in a large part, but they, they share a lot of the same perspective and even overlap with a lot of the same words. John's content, however, is 90% non-overlap with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He is a, not one of the synoptic gospels. Most scholars hold that John's gospel was the last of the gospels written. John wrote five books of your New Testament, the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. Of those five books, the Gospel of John is probably the one that he wrote first, but he didn't write it early. He wrote all five of his books as he was a much older man, probably living in Ephesus. In fact, it's, I think, safe to assume that John's Gospel assumes that many of his readers will be familiar with the flow of Jesus's narrative story, as, sort of as history, from exposure to one or more of the synoptic gospels. I think by the time John wrote his gospel, the synoptics were probably already in hand-copied circulation between and among the churches of the very first century. Several other characteristics of John's gospel that are interesting. He, you know, he never names himself. He refers to himself, as we saw in chapter 20, the passage that I read on Sunday. He refers to himself, if he refers to himself at all uh, specifically, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, 
I said on Sunday that that's a, a statement of humility, and I'm not deaf. I heard that I got a giggle when I said that, but let me explain what I meant. <laughs> if he had said of himself, I'm the disciple who loved Jesus, that's pretty prideful because he's talking about his own devotion. But when he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's, he's speaking, in fact, quite humbly. Uh, it's almost as though, in, in spite of me, Jesus loved me, in spite of my failures and fallibility, Jesus loved me. I am stunned by the fact that Jesus loved me. Um, that's the way that he's using it. But he doesn't refer to himself specifically. In fact, in chapter 1, a passage we'll come to not many Sundays from now, the actual call of John the Apostle, uh, you wouldn't even know that he's in the paragraph if you didn't have a larger contextual understanding of his calling. At any rate, John is the brother of James, the other apostle. Now, this is not James that we just preached through the book of James. Remember that James was the half-brother of Jesus. This is James, the other disciple. James was probably older because when they are named together, as they often are in the synoptic gospels in lists of the 12, James's name is always before John's. They're always listed as James and John, and that would be a very strong hint that James was the older brother. James was also, after the suicide of Judas, of course, on, on Good Friday, James was the first of the disciples to, to face death. He's beheaded by Herod in Acts chapter 12. John, on the other hand, his little brother, is the last of the original 12 disciples to pass away, living as a combination of church history and legend would tell us to a ripe old age in Ephesus. When John sat down to write his gospel, he had a very specific purpose in mind. You can see it in a couple of verses in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where John says, my purpose in writing this is that you would, you would know that Jesus, you would believe that Jesus is the, uh, the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have new life in him. His gospel is an apologetic Gospel That is, not, not apologetic in the sense of, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Uh, when theologians use the term apologetic, what we mean is uh, a, a demonstration or ratification of truth. And John's gospel is very apologetic, but like all good apologetics, the apologetics of John lean into evangelism. It's not just that you would know some stuff, but that knowing this stuff, you would trust it for eternal life. And so John's purpose is apologetics on its way to evangelism. Structurally, the gospel uh, is centered around a, a couple of different sets of seven. I believe the main structural backbone of John's gospel is seven signs, seven specific signpost miracles that point to Jesus as the Son of God. They're found um, in chapter 2 with water into wine, chapter 4, with the healing of the official son in Capernaum, chapter 5 is the third one, the healing of the paralytic at Bethesda, the fourth is the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, by the way, the only miracle except the resurrection of Christ that's talked about in all four gospels, and one of the rare points where John tells the same story that the synoptic gospels tell, the feeding of the 5,000, the fourth of John's signpost miracles. The fifth is walking on water. The uh, sixth is the healing of the man born blind in John 9. And then the last is the healing, or pardon me, the raising of Lazarus from the dead in chapter 11. Each of these miracles show Jesus doing something that could not possibly be done were he not God. 
and were he not, therefore, our only Savior. In addition to the seven signposts, there are also seven times that John makes these I am statements. Now, these I am statements in John are intentional statements claiming to identify himself, Jesus, with the I am of the the burning bush scene early in the book of Exodus, where the living God appears to Exodus and appears to Moses in a conversation at a burning bush and, and asserts what I believe to be his, his most central name for himself, the great I am. Jesus is claiming to be God. Every now and then I'll read some uh, blogger or commentator who will make the statement that Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, that's preposterous for anybody who's got even a rudimentary understanding of the Gospel of John. With the, at least these seven I am statements, Jesus absolutely repeatedly and clearly claimed to be God when he said, I am the bread of life in chapter 6. I am the light of the world in chapter 8. In chapter 10, in the, within just a few sentences of each other, he says, I am the, the door of the sheep and I am the good shepherd. Then in chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, I am the way the truth and the life, and in chapter 15, I am the true vine. Now, it's interesting that on at least three different occasions, the I am statement is linked to a given signpost miracle. I find it fascinating. It might be a little bit uh, Bible trivia-ish for some of you, but it's fascinating to me that it is in the wake of the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus says, if you're looking for something to sustain you, I am the bread of life. And since bread was one of the main things in the feeding of the 5,000, he claims to be the bread of life in a sermon describing or growing out of that event. Right after his claim to be the light of the world is when he heals the man born blind and introduces a man who had never known anything but physical darkness to the the physical light of this, this present material world. And then after the raising of Lazarus, it's not long at all before he says that I am the resurrection, and the life. Now, as we go through John on the, well, let's face it, months ahead, we'll, uh, we'll point out, again, these, these signposts, and we'll certainly make much of these I am statements. Thanks for joining me for Beyond the Notes today, and we hope you'll subscribe to this as well as the other McGregor podcasts. And, and hey, leave us a review. And even if you think I'm a twit and don't have anything valuable to say, I've heard worse from people I've known better. So even a bad review is not a bad thing. It'll give us a chance to maybe clarify some stuff. And if you want to know more about our podcast, you can go to McGregorPodcast.com. And we hope you'll join us next week. Next week, our passage on the, the weekend services, as well as this podcast, will be John chapter 1, 6 through 13. So if you want to be a real good student, you can read ahead. But at any rate, glad you were with us this week, and we look forward to being with you again. <laughs>